it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. I'm Dave Ahern, and we have Andrew Sather with me today, as always. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about our friend Warren Buffett. We're going to do something a little lighter. We've gone with some heavier topics the last few episodes, and we thought maybe we could go with a little bit lighter fare today. So today, we're going to do talk about some quotes from Warren Buffett. He is quite the quote master. He's very eloquent, and he comes up with some very witty quips, and Andrew and I thought we would take turns kind of chatting a little bit about each of these and just kind of giving you our two cents about what we think about all these. So I'm going to start us off and talk about actually my favorite one. Uh, which is, this is one he's very famous for, is rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, don't forget new rule number one. That is so apropos when we're talking about investing. Andrew made a great point today in his email letter that he sends out every day. He was talking about losses and how you need to avoid them. This is something that Warren Buffett has done a, an amazing, masterful job at doing, is not losing money. Because when you lose money to make it back, it is a very, very daunting task to recover the money. So Andrew was coming at it as a point of, you know, looking at growth stocks and how they can be kind of kind of risky. And, you know, Andrew and I have talked a lot about this, about the margin of safety and, you know, looking for the, the safety part of it. You know, that's our emphasis and, you know, not being aggressive and going after risky stocks and, this, I think his quote from Warren Buffett really kind of sums that up is, you know, don't forget rule number one, don't lose money. You know, it doesn't mean that the stock won't go down from time to time. It will. But, you know, as a long as the long term investor, you're looking at the long term horizon of, of a stock when we're buying it. And, you know, when Warren Buffett is talking about that's really what he's talking about is he's talking about a long term view, not worrying about, you know, you bought the stock three days ago and it's already dropped four bucks or something, you know, something like that. You know, that's to me, that's more where he's going with that. You know, I have a personal, you know, you know, I guess experience with this. I, when I first got into investing, I, I bought a stock that I had read a 
a little bit about I, again, I didn't know much about it. Didn't know much about what I was trying to do. I didn't kind of have my rules and I didn't have my ch- uh, checklist and I bought a stock and I was super excited about it. And it went from $9 up to $13. I was like, Oh, awesome. This is great. This is investing is easy. And then about two weeks later, it went back down to $9 and then a couple of weeks later, it went down to seven and then it went down to five and then it went down to three. And now it's around a dollar 22, I believe it is. So yeah, I lost, I kind of lost my shirt on that. So for me to get back to even at the nine dollars, it's going to have to, you know, grow like, I don't know, 722%. And that's just about impossible. So, you know, this is where you know, the numbers can really, really hurt you when you're looking at this. And that's why, you know, investing with a margin of safety is so critical to investing is just not taking chances with some things like that. Yeah, that whole mathematical reality is something that is not instinctual for anybody, but it's something that that mathem- that mathematical reality isn't something that's instinctual or maybe even logical, but really it's one of those mind altering events that when you really understand that wow losing money from an investment perspective really does that making you actually forcing you to like you said i mean the worst you can lose is all your money that's true but when you start to lose more than 50 percent, you're gonna have to double triple quadruple your money just to just to break back to even so like you said i mean it's it's something i kind of tried to point out in my email today and just like all good rules, I think there's a lot of uh, common rules that have this format of rule number one and, you know, don't forget rule number two. It's so critical. And I thought it was so indicative in how Warren Buffett really kind of proved his own words and really lived what he teaches. Because during the 06, 07, or I think it was actually the the dot-com bubble. It might have been both. Um, he had a period of time where all these news articles were coming out about him saying how, you know, he had kind of lost his, his uh, flair and he was actually underperforming and, you know, he's, he's just this old washed-up guy who doesn't understand that technology stocks are where you need to be. So he was not being the Warren Buffett that people are used to seeing with Warren Buffett in the sense that he wasn't having the spectacular gains and you had guys, you know, young guys coming up and making all this kind of money in a really short amount of time, buying really expensive, risky stocks. But what Buffett was really doing was understanding that rule number one, I'm not going to lose money. So I'm not going to buy these risky stocks and I'm going to be patient and understand that even if these stocks go up really high, I'm not losing out because there's actually no margin of safety there. So once the stocks crashed and they weren't able to sustain their really high prices and valuations, as tends to be the case, he did not lose money like all the rest of the other guys did. And who are we talking about today? Are we talking about the guys who made their fortunes in 99 and 2000? No, we're not. We're talking about Warren Buffett. And that's because he understood this rule and really practiced that rule with his investing. Yeah, exactly. And we, we've mentioned this many times before, and I'll just make a quick quote about that. Typically, the, the stocks that are boring are the ones that are going to be the best investments. Yep, 100% agree. 
I don't remember which investor said it, but somebody said that um, investing is supposed to be like watching paint dry. And if it's not, <laughs> you're doing something wrong. <laughs> All right. Next Warren Buffett quote. I really like this one. Investors should remember that excitement and expenses are their enemies. Look at that. We're kind of good segue. Yeah, yeah. And if they insist on trying to time their participation in equities, they should try to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy only when others are fearful. I mean, an obvious, basically what he's saying is buy low and sell high. But not only is he saying that, which, I mean, turn on CNBC and everybody says that, right? That's like the catchphrase of Wall Street. But he's also kind of prescribing how you're going to do that. So he's saying that you're not going to be building wealth and getting rich by getting in the stocks that are exciting. You're not going to be doing well and getting rich by paying for a fund manager who gets into exciting stocks. There's the expenses part. And you need to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. So really being a contrarian and going against the grain and doing what's not popular and what's not exciting. And really it's 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 really at the core of what value investing is because if you're going to buy stocks that are discounted then you're going to have to do it against the grain and be fearful when others are greedy and maybe stay out of the expensive tech stocks when everybody else is jumping in them and then at, on the flip side you have to have the fortitude to understand when the world is burning around you and people are losing their jobs and money is getting tight that that's when you need to be diving in so he really prefaced the quote by saying, if they insist on trying to time their participation in equities. So I thought that's interesting too, because yeah, you know, trying to time the market is kind of tricky and it's not really something Benjamin Graham preaches. And I don't even think Warren Buffett's necessarily saying here that you need to try to time the market, but he's saying if you do, make sure you're going against the grain. And I think it's just a good idea to just do that in general because if you're dollar cost averaging like what I teach and what Dave teaches, you're you're going to be putting money in the market consistently. But there's still ways to be fearful when others are greedy by buying those stocks and focusing on the margin of safety. And there's ways to be greedy when others are fearful by maybe, you know, you, you still always want to buy with a margin of safety, but maybe when others are fearful relates to, and it's talking about when pessimism is really low there and when, it goes to buying with a margin of safety again because when when people are fearful, that's when there's pessimism. That's when the stock's really going to be beaten up and maybe the picture that the market's painting on the stock isn't really ref- completely reflective of the reality of the business and that's where your opportunity is really going to be. Exactly. You know, that's, that's a very, very good point. And, you know, I, Andrew and I talk a lot about this and, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I often wonder if a, a great way to find the opposite of companies or I guess the companies to to investigate is to watch CNBC or CNN and listen to them talk about the companies that are being beaten up or that they're really negative on. 
because sometimes those are going to be the best opportunities to get into because, you know, for whatever reason, it, the stock has fallen out of favor. And when you do your research and you discover that the balance sheet is great, that, you know, the, the management has been there for a long time and they know what they're doing. It just may be in a situation where they maybe had some negative news that came out that doesn't really affect their long term view or value of the company you know, that, you know, this will give you the opportunity to buy in at a discount to the price. And I know that's one of the things that Buffett often does is he looks for opportunities in different sectors that may be beaten up for whatever reason or that are, you know, out of favor or maybe they just aren't followed as much. Andrew and I have mentioned that several times that we look for companies sometimes that are not followed by the analyst as much because those are going to give you more opportunities to find things that are just a little bit more off the, off the radar and not followed as much. And, you know, the other thing that, you know, Buffett does as well is he sits on a lot of money. Now you and I are not going to be able to sit on, you know, $180 billion or whatever it is he's sitting on right now that obviously for the everyday person like us is not going to be able to sit on, but having a nest egg for the, you know, eventuality of a market crash is maybe not a bad idea, you know, because when stocks good do, you know, crash for whatever reason, that is an opportunity to get into things. And I think Andrew made a awesome point when he was talking about, you know, the, the, you know, very billionaires that were kind of popping up all over the place during the dot-com era. And, you know, like Andrew said, we're not talking about any of those people now. We're all talking about Warren Buffett. We're all talking about Charlie Munger. We're talking about Joel Greenblatt and, you know, Peter Lynch and these people that did the time tested value investing and kind of waded through that period and didn't, get caught up in the enthusiasm of everything that was taking place at that time. And, you know, those are really the, the, the reasons why those people are successful is just, you know, sticking to their values and doing what works for them over the long period. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to nerd wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. 
Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Yep, 100%. And that's key, uh, a long period. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Uh, the next one that I would like to talk about is... Uh, to invest sex successfully, you do not, you need not understand beta, efficient markets, modern portfolio theory, option pricing, or emergent markets. You may, in fact, be better off knowing nothing of these. That, of course, is not the prevailing view at most business schools whose finance curriculum tends to be dominated by such subjects. In our view, though, investment students need only two well-taught courses, how to value a business and how to think about market prices. This is something that Andrew and I have been beating the drum about since we started this podcast. You know, the the education world and, you know, just the kind of, you know, you you look around the investing world and there there's kind of different camps. And one of the big camps out there is the modern portfolio theory, which Andrew and I have talked about extensively, the efficient market as well. We haven't touched much on beta option pricing, emergent markets, but they kind of all fall into the same kind of category. And you don't know, you don't need to know those things. Those are not critical for you to be, you know, a successful investor. You know, he's right on the money about valuing a business, figuring out what the intrinsic value is so that you can buy it with a margin of safety, with the emphasis on the safety and how to think about market prices, you know, thinking about, you know, the price of what you think it's worth versus what the market is valuing it at that particular time. If you know those two simple things, you can do some serious damage in, in, in the stock market. And, you know, I think that, you know, he's right on the money. This, he, he and Charlie Munger talk a lot about this, that, that, you know, the way that they invest is not difficult. It, and I'm not saying that it's easy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying they're coming at it from, you don't have to be, you know, educated. You don't have to have, you know, a degree in math. You don't have to have a degree in finance that these are, these are, principles and things that you as an everyday person can figure out on your own. Andrew and I have all kinds of great resources that we write about, that we talk about on our podcast and have links to, to give you successful ways to value a business and to think about that relationship to the market price. And if you do those two simple things, you could be very, very successful in the market. I know Andrew has been, and I know that I have been as well, just by following these two simple things. Yeah, and that's really what drew me to value investing in particular. Mm-hmm. I yeah, kind of always see myself as like a very logical guy, but I always need to understand what the big picture is, and if if there's a lot of complicated jargon or you know, if I have to start doing differential equations, it's it's not something I'm really going to want to pursue. And to me, investing is simple, and 
that's really why I structure my website the way I do. Uh, I break it down into seven easy steps and I really try to talk in layman's terms and I try to do the podcast the same way. It's because when it comes down to it, a company, its primary focus is to make a profit and it's supposed to pay off some of that profit to its owners and it's supposed to, it can use debt if, if, if you need to do that to grow, companies use debt all the time, but it needs to make sure it doesn't get into too much debt. And then it just needs to make sure it has enough cash on hand. And right there, there's one, two, three, there's the three financial statements. And you can really get deep down the rabbit hole. And this was something I felt from when I very, when I started, uh, very, when I started and right away, I just knew that it was something that just really clicked with me. And so I, I dove down the rabbit hole and I started to learn all the intricacies and tried to get insight and in all the strategies and, and what are the differences and, you know, what's minute details that in, in the end are, aren't going to really make too much of a difference. And it's like potato, potato, but I enjoy doing it. And so I like to read about it, learn about it and research it. But the fact that I was able to kind of get a grasp on it pretty quickly really drew me to really wanting to teach it for beginners because I was like, wow, okay. You know, I just read a couple good books and they really laid it out. And I've gone down the path of efficient markets and modern portfolio theory and beta. And, you know, there's different types of resources. Some of them can kind of be constraining or, or crippling. Some of them can be really empowering. So I think that's why I, I really, really strongly advocate reading The Intelligent Investor because it's one of those that really empowers you and gives you a new paradigm and makes you see and understand this is how investing works. And it's not a game with tickers and flashing money dollar signs. It's, it's, it's a business and this is the numbers behind the business. You know, when you think about things that are kind of more constricting and you want to think that the efficient markets are truly efficient, you could be just really shooting yourself in the foot and it could become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'm sure you have areas in your life where you are, I mean, not to be blunt or whatever, but where you're superior than the average. So, you know, you understand that like nobody's the master at everything, but everybody kind of has their strengths. And so I'm sure in other areas of life, you can see people who are struggling or maybe, you know, just failing in general. And, and you can see that they start to latch on to these limiting beliefs that really make the possibility of winning in that area of life, just completely take that away. And in my opinion, and I think in Buffett's opinion, that can be a thing. Maybe you like indexing and that's completely fine. And for a lot of people that that's the way to go. But if, if the stock market is something that's simple to you and it's something that you think you can leverage and you can buy individual stocks, you, you can, you, you, you should understand why efficient markets don't work, but you don't need to be a scholar and you don't have to have PhD dissertations saying that, well, this study says that and this study says that. Like like you said, you need to focus on what's going to make you money, how to value business. I think 
that's a topic we try to cover and over and over and over again. And really understanding that gives you the confidence and being able to find an intrinsic value makes you understand, okay, this stock's expensive. This stock's cheap. It sounds simple. It can be so confusing, but when you break it down to simple terms, that can be something that's really, really powerful. And how to think about market prices. I think he's just saying, understand how the market works, understand the nature of the beast. You're not going, you know, it's, it's so complicated that nobody knows everything about it, but if you can kind of understand its behaviors and see that there are some commonalities throughout the years, then you can, you can do well enough to manage it. And so I think that episode we did recently about, I believe it was chapter eight of the intelligent investor. That one was a chapter that Benjamin Graham wrote that really, really broke down how the market works and gave you that kind of decoder that, that showed you, okay, this is what it's going to do. So be careful, make sure you can equip yourself against it and try to get that perspective. So when it does act irrationally or it does try to sweep you off your feet that you don't be blindsided by it and that you understand this is just the nature of the beast. Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. So the next one I liked, and I thought this was kind of a, a curveball. He says, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. <coughs> So if anybody knows Warren Buffett, they'll know that he's actually pretty frugal for, especially considering he's one of the richest men in the world. He's bought, um, a small quaint house in the fifties and still lives there today. So understand that a big part of winning with money is not only learning how to make more money with money. You, you have to have the money to start with. So you, you can go online and you can look up a, a compound interest calculator and you can start pounding in numbers as you increase that return percentage average if okay this is how much I'll make in this many years with 10% returns a year 11% returns a year 12% returns a year you, you can start to grasp that like there's a huge difference between like 100 bucks and like 1000 bucks you know a year or a month or whatever it may be so that old adage that you have to have money to make money is really true. And, you know, you don't think that you can just put like two, two bucks a month into the market and become extremely wealthy. If you just pick the right stocks, that's just not going to happen. And that's more lottery ticket mentality than anything. So you do have to get your finances in order. And especially the people listening to this show, if you're anything like us, you're an average investor, you're trying to get a grasp of, the market for yourself so you can move yourself towards your own personal finance goals, finding that financial freedom and everything that goes along with that. And so don't just frankly piss your money away in a Rolls Royce only to realize that you could have made that money become so much more. And I, I think it kind of goes to like a conservative mindset too. Maybe the kind of person who drives a Rolls Royce wouldn't be the best in the market because he's the same guy who's going to buy Tesla because he thinks it's exciting and he likes Elon Musk. So I think those are two really key points that we need to understand 
as we move along our investing journey. I agree with that. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, Warren Buffett still lives in Omaha, Nebraska, you know, which is far, far removed from the financial world. And, you know, it's it's also, you know, as somebody who grew up in Iowa, I I understand Nebraska. It's far from exciting. It's it's about as far removed as you can possibly get from that. And I think that says a lot about him as as a person. And he's not you know, he's not worried about the trappings of of wealth. And that's not what drives him. You know, what drives him is he enjoys what he's doing and he likes the challenge of what he's doing. And I think the other thing that I like about that quote is it kind of shows that, you know, the everyday person, the guy taking the subway is the one with the knowledge. It's not the one with the Rolls Royce. It's the one that's just an average everyday person that has the knowledge and they can use that knowledge to help them become, you know, wealthier, you know, over time. You know, the thing that Andrew and I talk a lot about and, you know, I we both agree on this is that this is not a short term quick fix get rich, you know, in two weeks kind of investing style. If that's what you're looking for here, then you're in the wrong place. You know, we're, we're about building your wealth over time and using the principles that we talk about to kind of grow that wealth over time. As Andrew talked about the compounding interest earlier, you know, that's one of our very, very big friends along with dividends. And this is the way that you can do it. This is the way that all the people that we talk about have done it and average everyday people can do this as well. You don't have to be a billionaire to get to make money. But like Andrew was saying, you do have to have your financial ducks in a row. You do have to have the discipline and the diligence to be an investor and also to be a saver. You have to save some money to be able to do this. And that's one of the things that Andrew and I do. I know that I Personally, the way I do it is every couple of weeks, you know, I have when I pay my bills for my paycheck, the first person I pay is Dave. You know, the next person I pay is whoever else is on the list. But, Uncle you know, Sam. I'm always. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, yes. Uh, but, you know, yes, you know, that that's a whole other topic, of course. But, you know, my you know, I'm the first person I pay every week. And, you know, that to me is important. And that's part of my budget. It's what I've done to set aside money for myself because it's important to me. You know, I, of course, like all the, you know, frilly and nice things that everybody else does. But, you know, I guess for me, I've made that choice that I want to have a better retirement. I want to have some money for my daughter when she gets older. And to me, that's more important than, you know, having that extra video game or you know cd or whatever it may be i'm dating myself when i say cds of course but uh we said it didn't throw out eight tracks but you know <laughs> but uh you know it's that's that's just you know kind of the where where i'm coming from with that uh the last quote that i would like to talk to i'm sure andrew has another one he'd like to chat about the last one i'd like to talk about which is one of my favorites it's far better to buy a wonderful company at a fair price than a fair company at a wonderful price and where he was going with that was, and I th- the reason why I like this is that, you know, finding a, a awesome company at a fair price is going to give you a long term value for the company. Andrew talks a lot about the uh, the dividend aristocrats or the dividend fortresses, as he puts it, and those to me are wonderful companies. Those are companies that have been around for a long time and they really know their stuff. And finding a good price on a Johnson and Johnson, for example. It's going to be so much more valuable than finding some flashy stock that, you know, the market is all super excited about, i.e. Snapchat, you know, for example, 
beat them up a little bit again. And, you know, when you get excited about something like that, does that have long-term value? It's hard to say. You know, I think a lot of people were skeptical about Facebook and maybe they still are. You know, people I know were, were skeptical of Microsoft and they've certainly stood the test of time, although I feel like they're a little bit overpriced at the moment. But, you know, there's just there's so many great companies out there and finding a good, solid company that's going to be around for the next 30 to 50 years that's going to pay you a dividend is going to be so much a better investment than finding, you know, something that's super exciting and sexy and flashy and, you know, something that you're going to get super juiced about. And, you know, those may be the flash in the pans. Those are the things that, you know, you can lose money on and then you're going to have to do that much better on the next investment to try to recoup that loss. And that's one of the things that Andrew and I talk a lot about. I know Warren Buffett talks a lot about that. And to me, this is where he was coming from with that. When he first started, got, got into investing, he was uh, of course, following the Benjamin Graham, you know, model. And one of the things that Benjamin Graham was known for was uh, the term cigar butts. And that was, you know, buying these super cheap dirt, dirt cheap, you know, companies that were just beaten down. And he would find these companies that he thought had some value to them, buy them dirt cheap, and then the market would discover them and they would go up and then you would make a lot of money. And, you know, over time, Buffett has kind of moved away from that and he's more concerned about finding, a, you know, an awesome company like a Coca-Cola, an American Express, recently Apple, you know, some of these great companies that he thinks are going to stand the test of time and are going to be in great investments. And then he finds what he thinks is a fair price for that value of that company. And then that's when he'll buy something like that. And I think to me, that's, that's an awesome quote. Yeah, I completely agree. I really, in my opinion, when he says wonderful company, I just think of a company that's has really strong balance sheet health. So I think it really goes to the safety part of margin of safety. If, if you buy businesses that are, are just built like fortresses in the sense that nothing can penetrate them, and they have these assets. I mean, obviously, you want these things to be able to produce income, and that's part of what makes an asset valuable. When you have so many assets, or you have not that many liabilities, or you have a big cash, you know, a glut of cash, like maybe like Apple does, or one of the dividend fortresses I have just has an insane amount of cash. That, in my mind, that's what makes wonderful companies and. I'm willing to pay a little bit of a steeper price to, to get into those kind of things. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I like to talk about valuation as a broad metric instead of a singular metric. You know, it, it doesn't have to have the, the, the absolute lowest price to earnings or price to book or just be super, super beaten up. I would, I would prefer to have a company that I hope can just continue to grow and, and really pump out dividends so I can really get that double compounding interest that I like to get from dividend growth stocks. Again, that's why my e-leather has a huge focus on dividend fortresses and those are really the long-term goal and value investing is one way to really select those stocks. But in the long term, I, I think Buffett shows this a lot with his actions it's those dividends that grow and get reinvested over time that really, really, when you have that long-term mindset and, and you have the fortitude to hold over the long term and your company has, the company that you're owning has the fortitude to weather these storms of bad economies or fierce competitions, then that's really what's going to make 
big part of your wealth, and that's going to contribute to some serious returns. And it's easier too. You 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 just let it ride, you know, and you don't have to be making a hundred trades a year in order in order to make that happen. You just have to really understand the the principles behind what Buffett's trying to teach and apply them, and then let let the business do what it does. So I think I'm going to close here with a quote that he did that I really like. And I think if somebody really looks up to Warren Buffett or maybe even looks up to us and looks up to other investors who they perceive as being very knowledgeable and maybe wants to be a step towards that direction tomorrow and hopefully steps down that direction in the future. Um, I think Buffett would say, and I definitely would say that what you should do is, as he is quoted by saying, do a lot of reading. You know, reading and books are one of the best ways that lessons and stories get passed down throughout the generations. There's some quote out there that says, you know, you read a book and you get uh, you get that person's life kind of in your hands and, and you, you get, you become a part of their life. And so you read a lot of books, you get, you have the experience of, of multiple lifetimes. And with investing, that's really the exact same way. It's funny once, once you kind of get into it and you start to read a lot of particularly value investing books, or maybe even just investment books in general, you'll start to see that it starts to sound like a broken record. And what you'll see is that these guys are all finding intrinsic values and finding margin of safeties and it's what's making them money. So they're telling other people to do it. And it's, it's not rocket science. Like Buffett says, it's simple, but the majority of the market's not doing it. And so that opportunity is still there. Um, I really saw my confidence change and the way I looked at the market change once I started reading. And it, it, when I really was when I, kind of graduated from like reading and just poking around the internet to really like sitting down and reading a a good solid book from, from somebody who, I mean, I, I I saw the intelligent investor. The reason why I picked it up was because it had a, something about Warren Buffett on there. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I know Warren Buffett and I know, okay, if he endorsed this book or if if Benjamin Graham was his mentor, then this must really, this must really be a good book. But, I really came at it with an open mind and I I was like, okay, let's just read it and see what it says. And then once that simplicity came in and I really started to put the pieces together, I said, wow, this is actually really logical. Then that's when I was like, all right, this now makes more sense. So when we really kind of harp on the whole idea that you need to read, I think it's, I think it's crucial. And I, I think Munger has even said to something about investors who read and, you know, Buffett really makes it a, a big priority of his. I think um, I think Einstein said something about reading as well. Like a, a lot of the really brilliant guys are not necessarily reinventing the wheel. They're just looking and f- figuring out the right places to get knowledge. And obviously, books are a fantastic way to do that. I a hundred percent, a thousand percent, totally agree. I uh, I'm a I'm a very big reader myself, and I love to discover things and read things. And I, uh, you know, right there with you, you know, when I first really started kind of getting into this books and reading were really kind of my pathway to, to the knowledge. You know, I just, I became insatiable about it. I wanted to learn 
more about this language, you know, of investing and figure out how this worked. And, you know, I, I searched all over the place and when I found value investing, it just kind of fit and it really made sense to me. And like you said, it was very logical and I just love the way it was laid out. And I read the intelligent investor and it just kind of all started to fall into place. And I read some of Joel Greenblatt's works and I read, you know, Seth Carman's stuff. And, you know, I just kind of really embraced all of it. And I, like you said, I went into it with an open mind and I tried to learn as much about the different styles that as I possibly could. And some of it, it took, some of it didn't, some of it was, was way too technical for me. And I just didn't, you know, understand it, or maybe I just didn't want to understand it. And I think after reading, you know, the thing that I like about Buffett and, you know, he and Charlie Munger are kind of a little bit of dichotomies of each other in that Buffett kind of comes across as more, ho- you know, folksy, if you will. And, you know, he's kind of very, he's very quotable. Charlie doesn't give as many interviews, so he, but he's also very quotable as well. But he doesn't come across as kind of charming folksy. He comes across as a little bit cranky. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, he, uh, is, you know, he is like 10 years older, isn't he? He's like, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he comes across as a little cranky sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, he, he, uh, but it's, you know, it's kind of charming in a way. But he, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's made many comments that I've heard him say and in interviews I've watched of him that, you know, for the first 15 years of this kid's life, they thought he was a walking book, you know, because all they saw were the legs and his face in a book, you know, that's what he read. And I think Buffett said that, you know, to this day, he reads five hours a day, you know, so that's what he does. The majority of his time is read. And, you know, it's just, the, you know, the, the best way that you can gather knowledge. And, you know, if books aren't your thing, then listening to podcasts, you know, audiobooks are a great way to do it. I personally am a better visual person than I am an audio person, which is kind of odd because I'm a musician by trade. But, um, you know, I love to read blogs and articles on the Internet. And, you know, I, my wife is always teasing me because, you know, I'm always reading and I'm always reading stuff about investing. She's like, don't you ever get tired of it? I'm like, I don't. I just I think it's I think it's fascinating. It's just an endless subject. And, you know, there's just so much to learn and, you know, there's just, you're never going to know it all. You just can't. And I think the, the only way you ever can, you know, become better at something is by, you know, observing and reading and just kind of gathering wisdom and knowledge from all these, you know, super intelligent, much smarter than me people. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the only way to go. Yep. So turn off this podcast and, and go hit the book. <laughs> exactly. Go to the library and read every single book about investing you can find. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, so it's 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 a great skill. And what I really appreciate about it is that a lot of these books I've just read once and I've been able to retain it because they really made sense. And so when I listen to to podcasts about investing or I turn on CNBC and, and I hear what they're saying, you know, I I can form my own opinion and I understand and I look at the market and I see opportunities and I'm able to use my value chart indicator spreadsheet and understand like, okay, well that's why this stock looks really great right now. This why this one doesn't. So it's, it's really a skill that will follow you for the rest of your life. So why not spend that initial time just kind of like buying a stock? You just buy it and then it compounds over time. Same with investing knowledge. assuming you don't get dementia it compounds over time yep exactly and it's it's a great investment in you i think that's the best way i would think of it all right well that i think is going to wrap us up for tonight 
We hope you enjoyed our discussion of the great Warren Buffett quotes. If you're interested in learning more about Warren Buffett and reading some more awesome quotes, uh, Andrew wrote a great article that I'm going to link to in the show notes that has all kinds of awesome, awesome Warren Buffett quotes. Uh, He's a very, very smart man, and he has great wisdom that you can gather from him. So I hope you enjoyed our show tonight. Again, we'd love to have somebody on here to talk to us. We're missing somebody else. Anyway, uh, we would love to have you on here. We, you know, If you have any questions, we'd love to have you on here again. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign off, and we will see you guys next week. Have a great one. Ciao. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.